0: Welcome to the Fierce Fiduciary Podcast. This podcast focuses on financial planning and investment topics. Our goal is to help you make better financial decisions. We are fierce advocates of fiduciary advice. What does fiduciary mean? It means that anyone who advises you should always put your needs first. We hope you get some value from this episode. Thanks for listening. Standard housekeeping, anything on the Fierce Fiduciary Podcast? should not be considered individual financial planning or investment advice for that we recommend you consult your own properly registered and licensed professional welcome to episode 22 i'm brian beasley and with me again is dan albert good morning good morning we talk a lot about risk and it's one of those things that's hard to get your mind around especially if you're an individual investor especially if you're trying to do things yourselves there's not a lot of ways to measure that accurately and to, to understand even what you're even talking about and you'll sometimes hear people use the word and they're meaning two different things or three different things so we thought we might just kind of real quick give you a a quick rundown of ways to look at risk and the most common one if you're looking if you're hearing people is you know, online or if you're reading reports about the risk of a portfolio, if you're looking at uh, something like the, uh, something's called the efficient frontier, you'll see risk measured as what's called volatility itself. So how bumpy is the ride over time of that investment? And the most common way of measuring that is called the standard deviation of the returns of that investment. So if, you know, how bumpy is the ride and how wide is that bell curve of possible outcomes?
1: The higher the standard deviation, the more volatility, the bumpier the rise. That's correct. So if you're looking at a website that look, and looking at
0: the statistics on a fund, an index fund, or, or if you can find this on a stock, you're looking at the standard deviation number and higher is bumpier. So generally speaking, something that's like the stock start market index is probably going to have a standard deviation somewhere in the teens, like 15 to 20, depending on the year and depending on the time frame you're looking at too. So you could look at the volatility of something during say 2008, it's going to be very high relative to the long-term history of that thing. But standard deviation and volatility, that's one way of looking at risk. So higher is bumpier. But many people will tell you, hey, if it's a bumpier ride, sometimes that implies better returns. I don't care if it's bumpy in the upward direction. That's good risk. And truthfully, psychologists have identified that people are three times more sensitive to a downward move than they are to an upward move in the same amount. So if you're down 10%, you feel three times worse Three times more emotion if it's something's down 10% than if something went up 10%. Something goes up 10%, you're like, eh, that's pretty good. Something goes down 10%, you're like, ugh, this is really awful. Or 20 or 30 or whatever, but you're, you feel worse about declines than you do. And that probably makes sense mathematically. It's hard to get that back if you lose 50% of your money. You're going to now double it to get back, and that's hard work. So there's a term called drawdowns so a drawdown is when something declines from a peak from an all-time high and starts going down and it's how far does it go down before it finally goes back up for say a month so how many if you're looking at things monthly how many months did something go down how far did it fall so a drawdown like a bear market for example could last 14 months or 18 months and it could be a 30 percent decline from the bottom from the top to the bottom that's a drawdown Paying attention to drawdowns can be helpful because you understand okay, what's my personal limit there? Then there's risk over time. So, something's kind of interesting. If you look at the range of returns from, say, mutual funds in a certain category, and you look at something that said, hey, what's the best returning fund for, say, the last month? And what's the worst returning fund for the last month? Oftentimes you'll see a big, wide difference there. The best maybe had a great month and the worst maybe had a really awful month. I mean, unless you're talking about index funds that are all copying copying each other. If you have active managers that are investing in, say, large U.S. stocks, they can differ quite dramatically from month to month to month. But an interesting thing happens when you start looking at the difference in their returns over, say, a decade or 20 years. All of a sudden, there's not a big difference in their long-term results because they're all fishing in the same pond. So if you understand how time can work with various investments, in some ways you could mitigate your risk by simply waiting long enough if you understand how long things could take. So risk over time can can sometimes go down. Then again, risk over time sometimes can go the other way. So you just need to be aware that time is a factor when you're investing. You mentioned something yesterday when we were talking about this, Dan. You you were talking about
1: expected returns versus actual returns. What did you mean by that? When you look at volatility, as you were talking about a a short moment ago, that gets into this expected versus actual, and you need to understand that there is volatility. Some people actually look at the S&P 500, they say, hey, 10% returns historically, they think of it like a CD where like clockwork, every year they're getting 10% returns and it doesn't work that not way. At all. And so therefore, if somebody is going into it, not understanding what they're getting at, uh, what they're purchasing and how the investment works, their returns could be very different than what they were expecting. And
0: the risk there is that if that happens, they could then make a horrible decision and get out of something that was, in the, over the long run, might have benefited them and done the job. But you need to understand how that bumpiness can affect things in the short run. You need to understand over different time frames what the odds are of, a good year or a bad year or what the range of returns. Cause really you look back at the annual returns of like that S and P 500 that you were talking about. And yes, maybe there The, the, uh, returns have been inflation plus seven over time over the last hundred years or so. But the number of years where you actually had a 12 month period that did exactly. That is like few and far between, you know, it's, it's very rare. You're, you're usually either much better than that or much worse than that. It's, it's zigzagging back and forth and over time, That's where you're getting that inflation plus six and a half inflation plus seven or, or 10 or 11% returns, whatever people are hearing or get anchored to whatever they're quoted. So understand, making sure your expectations are aligned with reality. You know, if they're not, you're taking a psychological risk. You're taking a behavioral risk because the market's going to do what it's going to do. But if you don't understand how that thing behaves, you can, you can get surprised and that could be a bad deal. Another way that some people will, you'll hear some people talk about risk is some managers or value investors will talk only in terms of, hey, I'm only looking at risk at, as defined as the risk that I'm going to lose 100% of my money. And for most people who are really scared of investing, they may be thinking that if they invest, they can lose 100% of their money when they do it. And when done the wrong way, that's a possibility but when done in proper way, it's probably more likely that you could experience just bumpiness.
1: If you choose to invest in one individual stock, a very speculative stock, a company that's very, very small just starting out, and you're putting all of your money in that one very speculative investment, there's a chance that that company may not make it over time and that you lose everything. You put in all of your money, and it's gone. So that'd be an, uh, an example of maybe doing it wrong. Yeah. What uh, way you can address that is to buy an index fund where you own the entire market. You own hundreds of companies. Where if one company goes to zero, it, right? And the, the odds, odds the odds, the
0: continue. odds of the entire economy in the global world going to zero are pretty slim. So if, if someone's saying, Hey, I, I I just can't risk everything. I think they think in terms of black and white with no gray in between where I'm either risking the loss of 100% of my money or I'm not making a dime. Well, there's a whole big world in between those two extremes. So when you hear people talking about, Hey, you know, and then the other side of it is, is true as well. It's like, Hey, uh, you only lose money if you sell. Well, True, but over time, guess what's going to happen? If you hold that thing that's gone from maybe technically somebody out there still owns some shares of Lehman Brothers, the bank that completely went under in 2008, and its shares are still theoretically out there where they still have something, or they own a bond that supposedly Lehman Brothers owes them, and it's still showing up on their statement for $0.13. And the truth is they haven't, quote, realized, end quote, their loss, as far as the IRS is concerned. But over time, you were depending on part of that money to help fund your child's education or your retirement. And if it's not there anymore, uh, you may not have realized it for tax purposes, but you know what? It's kind of gone. Lehman's not coming back. So there is there is sometimes a risk you lose everything, but the way you do that is you just mitigate that risk and by spreading it out. Uh, the odds of losing everything are pretty darn slim. It's A lot of times it's just a matter of patience if you're dealing with long-term assets. Another big risk, we were talking uh, earlier, you were talking about expectations versus realities. And the big one we see a lot is there's a risk that sometimes happens with people where their results are different than their friends and relatives' results, or at least what their friends and relatives are telling them at the parties or the get-togethers or the soccer fields. Hey, I was up X percent last year. Hey, I'm doing great because I bought blah, 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 blah. No one tends to talk about their losses, so keep that in mind. But this idea, this, this fear of missing out, you'll see FOMO F-O-M-O, the acronym put out there, or the risk there is that if you're too far away from your friends and relatives, or at least what they're, quote, bragging about, or if you're not centered in your own understanding of things, the risk is you could get swayed wrongly by people you trust who don't mean you any harm. But sometimes somebody's just bragging about their best thing. You should be very careful taking that as, I'm going to put all my money there. Sometimes you're t- they're talking about something they've owned for 30 years and it's been great for them. But that means nothing about what the next 30 years is going to be. So sometimes you're, the people you trust the most, your friends and your family, you got to ask yourself, are they even competent? Are you getting the full story? And does your situation exactly match their situation and doing what they're, they're doing, is that going to fit you? It's really hard to tell how somebody's doing by looking at their lifestyle. And so there's a big risk if you're, fi- if you're putting too much credence in someone who, quote, knows more about this stuff than I do. You got to ask yourself, do they really, really know what they're doing? Were they maybe lucky? Did something just work out for them? Or are they only telling you a piece of the puzzle? There's a, lot, there's a lot more to understand to get that perspective and simply following along with the crowd or following along with, with what others are, are doing anecdotally, um, that can actually increase the bumpiness of your ride at the very least, if not put you in a position where you've maybe made a speculative bet on something you should not have. So you have to be very, very careful with
1: that. And one way to alleviate some of that risk is to have an understanding of how you're actually investing your money. That you're confident in what you're doing, where you could withstand somebody else from the outside, a neighbor, a friend, talking about their portfolio and saying, hey, I'm up, I'm up 15%. And you have your, your investment strategy that you're confident in, and uh, that doesn't impact the way you're going, you're not going to go make a change that night or tomorrow based on what somebody else said because you you know you've got a system in place. Yeah, that
0: confidence is huge. I mean, when somebody somebody talks about that, um, you know, and periodically somebody says, you know, I'm having a really good year. I'm up whatever percent. And I go, great, what were you in? And odds are they were in something that did well. They were in a category that did well. They were leaning in that direction that year. And uh, those people never say the same thing when they're down Another down some percentage because of that same exposure. You know, you and I've both had experiences where we've had clients call up and they were, they were, they're inquiring, they're saying, Hey, uh, how come my portfolio is down that one month? We go, Oh, well, it's, we look at it and sometimes it's the overall market was down because that happens. That's bumpiness of the ride. And on occasion, it's, it's, uh, we'll have clients that they'll own one thing that they were in love with one individual stock that's on the side that they've parked it in their account that, that, that we manage. And, um, they say, Hey, that one month, it was really horrible. Is, is there something wrong with that system you guys are running? And we, you dig into that and you find out actually the culprit of that month's return was that stock you're in love with. And it's very enlightening because the stuff that was, Broadly diversified, following best practices, tends to have a smoother ride. When you're talking to people, you got to be asking about risk. And was it skill or was it luck? Was it process or was it just a, a, the good fortune of that year or that economic circumstance that helped things? It's tough to predict the future, but you need to have a process that really evaluates risk. And what we're going to do in the next episodes is we're going to dig into th- three more layers uh, to understanding your relationship with risk and the terms we are going to be focusing on is your tolerance for risk your perception of risk and then the capacity of your portfolio to take risk and so we'll be following that up in the next few episodes thanks so much for listening once again thanks for listening If you like the podcast, please share it with your friends. Please subscribe. Please like. Please comment. Please find us on social media. We are at Fierce Fiduciary. You can also Google Fierce Fiduciary Podcast and find us anywhere. Dan, you're at Facebook. I'm on Facebook. At Dan Alberth. Dan.Alberth. And I am at Brian C. Beasley on most platforms. We also participate in some Facebook groups. If you're looking to have a deeper conversation there about various things, there's a group called Investing for Beginners. And then Dan and I host a group called Investing and Financial Planning that provides some educational and learning material. So once again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.